If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Hmm. Uh, what do you do? That's the great question. <laughs> what is the long-term effect of too much information? Hello and welcome back to the Wine Jar Cynics Podcast. I am Dio. And I'm Gene. And I'm Mac. And we are wrapping up this month of December with a Merry Christmas to you and our special episode. The end of the mini arc on religion. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus and our Christian brethren. That's right. We have talked so far this month. For those of you that have been here, we started off the month with Gnosticism, which is actually different variations on Christianity, but we felt that it would be a good and interesting way to open this arc. We then spoke about the cousin religion to Judaism and Christianity, Islam. Last week we spoke about uh, Judaism itself, and now we are talking about its uh, its follow-up, its descendant, its natural outgrowth, and that is Christianity. Let me ask you guys before we get started. Either of you uh, are or have ever been Christian? Uh, yes. I mean, I was brought up um, pretty secular, but I actually went to a uh, Catholic church. Okay. I, so I remember the glass-stained walls when I was a kid. So it was. Pretty, I didn't have any bad experiences. I thought it was fun when I was a little kid. Very early on, both, but then mostly raised Christian. Both is in Catholic and Christian? Uh, yeah, Catholic. Okay, so myself, I grew up in a Christian household, uh, and uh, I didn't actually learn a lot about Christianity until I started to get older, um, and then I like Christianity. There's a lot of, I think, cool and good stuff in the religion. I think it gets a bad rap because some of the people that are followers are kind of idiots, um, but we're going to talk about that today. So, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be mask off. I'm pretty secular, so I have... N- no feelings really about it, but All right, we got the heathen here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I will. What I will say is that I think you. I think people choose will end up choosing the power of yeah. Christ compels you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if they want to believe that, that's fine. There you go. That's as, as it should be. Believe yeah, if they want to believe that, well, well, I can't stop them. The power of Christ compels you, Dean. You've been chugging. <laughs> Jesus' I've been blood all night. You've been chugging the blood of Jesus, and still you what? you doubt him? My God! What do you mean? It was water before. Bum, bum. This was transformed. Yes. Yep. To my God. From water to wine, to <laughs> wine to blood. Anyway, wine jar cynic <laughs> miracle. Yeah. <laughs> and you deny it. If you're not, I'm, I'm also a, I'm be. also a Santa <laughs> I'm also a Santa denier. Oh shit! This is just the worst week for you. Right. I don't believe. I don't believe. In Can Santa. somebody get some holy water for this guy? <laughs> I some, need to just like some hot cocoa. Splash him. Whatever the Christmas, the Santa equivalent. All right. So if you guys remember last week, we talked about the origins of Judaism, and there was a little gap in there. That gap in there was the birth of one Jesus Christ. As we said in the last episode, uh, the Jewish people were waiting on a Messiah. This is after they got back from Babylon, uh, and. According to Christianity, Jesus Christ was that Messiah. <clears throat> Jesus was born roughly at the uh, around zero BC. Uh, I, I used to think that that's why we had BC and and uh, and AD, 
but I, I don't know if that's exactly true. Oh, either. before Christ versus after death? Yeah, that's what I thought it was. But I, I, don't not, think, I, I thought don't it was too. <laughs> well, what I understand is the AD is, is Latin. It means uh, the, mm. the Latin of our Lord or the year of our Lord, something deal, Dios. Anyway, uh, he was born around that time. He lived for, I want to say. Th- yeah, it says AD, Anno Domini. Anno Domini. In the year, the year of, of our, our Lord. Lord. Which does reference to since Christ's birth. I want to say, God, how old did he live? For 30, uh, 33 years? 36 years? He was, he was in his 30s when he, when he died. Um, and basically the story of Jesus, for those of you that don't know, uh, if you have been living under a rock. <laughs> or you live in China. Or you live in China and you haven't heard the good word. Uh, Jesus was born, uh, according to scripture, in Bethlehem, which is a region, uh, Nazareth, which is a region in Israel. Um, and he was born according to prophecy. His mother was the Virgin Mary. You heard me right. She was a virgin. She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. She gave birth, uh, aided by a very, very, very understanding husband, uh, Joseph, <laughs> who, who was completely okay with that. Um, and they didn't. And the story goes that they were traveling uh, for some reason. I believe they were. It was a census or something like that. Or they were, yeah, they were. Or they were escaping because there was a prophecy about, as there usually is, about a male child being born that will overthrow the. Uh, Roman occupiers at this time, Rome was, Israel was a uh, territory of Rome. And so to avoid this, the, I want to say Herod, a Roman, a Roman leader basically said, kill all the newborn Jewish kids. And so they left and they went somewhere else. And on the road, Mary had to give birth. And so they looked for a hotel, they looked for an inn, but there was no room. So they had to go to the the stable, the manger, uh, where the animals slept. They went there and they they gave birth <coughs> to Jesus. Uh, this was prophes- This was heralded in by a star. Um, the star guided three magi, which are wise men or magicians from the east. Uh, following the stars, following the prophecy, they traveled to uh, to Bethlehem. They followed the star and they were present at the birth of Jesus. Um, and this was significant because he was the son of man. It was God incarnate as a human being, and he had to therefore be born in the most humble and lowly of circumstances. That's why he was born with the farm animals in the stable. Uh, Jesus then kind of disappears for like 30 years. (laughs) The Bible doesn't talk a lot about him. There is one story I want to say from the book of Luke. I don't quote me on that. It's one of the four Gospels uh, where he is a child and they go to the temple for a holiday um, and they're looking for Jesus because he scampered off somewhere and they can't find him in the crowd. Uh, and then they find him in the, or they leave and they didn't notice. It was like a home alone type thing. Anyway, they come back to get him and he's in the temple uh, talking with the rabbis and schooling their asses on on scripture. Um, and Joseph is like, hey, kid, what are you doing? Get over here. And he's like, Jesus says, hey, you're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's God. <laughs> I'll do what I want, basically. 
And uh, and then yeah, that was that. Yeah, <laughs> Joseph played some sad trombone music and <laughs> moped home. But uh, <laughs> but he uh, yeah, and then all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene as an adult and he starts grabbing his uh, his apostles. He goes around and he's like, "Hey, you follow me." And because he's the son of God, they do. Uh, he gets twelve of them, and then he goes around on his. Uh, his ministry, he starts preaching around Galilee and the uh, um, the other parts of, of Israel and the region, and his he starts stirring up quite a movement. He is performing miracles. He's healing lepers. He's curing blindness. He's making uh, lame people walk, blind people see, he's mute people can talk, all that good stuff. There's stories of Water him. Water into wine. Yep, his, there's uh, a... Feeding uh, like thousands of thousands people with, with two pieces of fish and, and a, two pieces of bread or something like that. Yeah, I think it's five loaves and two fish. Two fish and five, that sounds about right. But yeah, he feeds. He, there's a big party and his mom Mary, she's like Jesus. What are we gonna do? We don't have enough food. And he's like, Chill, got this. So they he's like, Fill up those jars with water and they do and he turns it to wine. And then they're like, How do we feed him? We've only got two fish and and five loaves. And then. He's like, just keep feeding them. It'll be enough. And then, you know, it's like a magic basket of uh, of, of goodies. Uh, and that's, you know, he does miracles. His biggest miracle that he did is he raised the dead. Lazarus uh, was sick. He died. Um, Jesus didn't get there in time. In fact, I believe the story was Jesus was chilling with some people, and uh, Lazarus' sister was like, you got to come with me. Lazarus is super stick, sick, and he's like, chill, it's all good. <laughs> and she's like, no, he's he's literally dying. He's like, I know, it's cool. And then he chills, 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 and then he's like, all right, cool, let's go. And they get there, and Lazarus dies. So everyone's real pissed at Jesus for a sec. And Jesus is like, why are you crying? Lazarus, get out of here. And Lazarus wakes up, and he, he comes out from the tomb. So that was Jesus could do that. Um... There's some other good. What are some other good Jesus? He walked on water. Walking on water. Walked, yeah. There was a big storm. He calmed it just by telling it to shut up. Um, he early in his ministry, there was a character, John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist. A lot of people, because there was a lot of prophecy about the incoming Messiah, people were always looking for him, following signs and everything. Jesus's cousin was actually John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was born first. He was a little older. John was a wild man. He uh, he wasn't trying to live in the city. He went into the woods, and he dressed in uh, animal skins, and he sat out there, and he preached. And the way that you preached back then was you just talked a lot of shit about the establishment. <laughs> and it, uh, it sounds like the cynics as well. I heard that uh, Periclesis was one. He might, it might have been inf- They might have been influenced early Christianity with some of the cynics that were preaching around the Roman world. That's the theory. Um, uh, Goulet Cazé, Marie, that one book. Um, uh, yeah, so interesting aspect. Th- there's definitely connections. Very anti-establishment. Th- and then basically was the Jews, it wasn't so much that they were against God, it was that there was corruption in the pre because the Jewish people had a priestly class and they were corrupt. They were the leaders, but they were corrupt. And so the Pharisees and the priests um Pharisee was some sort of office, I believe. I don't know specifically what it was, but John would call them out. He made a lot of enemies, political enemies, but he didn't care. He was just baptizing people in the river. And baptism, for those of you that don't know, is the act of submerging someone in water uh, under prayer. And basically, 
it's two symbols. One is washing away your sins so that when you come out of the water, you are clean. And the other one is that you are dying to your old life. You're being drowned, put in the water, and you are being birthed into a new and cleaner life, a new existence. You are symbolizing being born of water again, right? Uh, so Jesus comes to John. He gets baptized by John. This is part of the prophecy. John does baptize him and is killed short, shortly after that because of his political enemies. But Jesus goes on. Uh, shortly after that, he makes his, uh, he goes into the wilderness. He fasts for, I want to say, 30 days, 40 days, something like that. He, no food, no water. Um, at the, it, He's just in the wilderness. Didn't being, some guy die recently trying to break his record? Uh, that would make sense. That sounds about right. Yeah, I heard a story. Was he from Florida? No, in like <laughs> in like Africa, he wanted to break Jesus' record. but He, he, he ain't breaking dying. that record. So, I mean, the big thing, it's not so much no food, but no water in, like, the Middle East desert, you know, so that's crazy. But he did it, and at the end of that, it said that the devil came to him and tried to tempt him, and he said, look, uh, if you, he tempted him three times, first with uh, food, second with uh, worldly uh, wealth, and third with power, like, to rule all the kingdoms. Three times, Jesus tells him to get lost, and he does. Now Jesus is ready. He is anointed fully, and he's ready to fulfill his destiny. So he goes into the uh, city, Jerusalem, uh, and he rides symbolically on a donkey. People are throwing palm leaves at his feet, um, and everyone's going crazy. This, of course, upsets the Pharisees. Now a little side note here from history. At this time, there was actually a number of people that were claiming to be the Messiah. A number of people that were pe- people were following as if they were the Messiah. <clears throat> For some reason, Jesus was different <laughs> because Jesus, as we know, he gets in. He's heading to Jerusalem for Passover, so he celebrates Passover with his twelve disciples, twelve apostles. Um, one of them betrays him. That's Judas. We talked about Judas a bit in the Gnostic uh, discussion, um, and then the the Jews capture him and they bring him to. The Romans, because the Jews at the time didn't have a law to kill people. They couldn't put someone to death. And so they wanted the Romans to do it. And so the saying, the story goes that they played to the Romans' uh, egos. So Pontius uh, Pilate was the, the governor of uh, Israel at the time. And he basically was, he couldn't understand why they were so mad at him. And he said, no, I'm not going to kill him. Like, we'll whip him. So they whipped the shit out of him. Really brutal. Um, and then he sent him to a guy, Herod, who was in charge of uh, Galilee, right, to, to, to have him judge because that's where Jesus was from. Um, they, Herod was really, heard a lot of stories, and he wanted Jesus to prove he was the son of God. Jesus didn't do it because he's not trying to, He's this simp. <laughs> the simp. The simp of Herod. So Herod gets mad, sends him back to uh, Pilate. Pilate says, all right, well, I mean, I'm not going to kill him. And the Jews insist. They're like, no, no, we want this. And he's like, you guys take care of it. They say, no, like it's it's the duty of Caesar. And he basically is like, what about Caesar? And they're like, well, Caesar's our king. He's our ruler. So they they, they say like, oh, we, we follow Caesar, so just do this for us, right? They really wanted him dead. So Pilate finally says, okay, fine, I'll crucify him. So the next, uh, Jesus gets, uh, he has to carry his cross. Cross is a big 
wooden beam. I think everybody knows what a cross was, but this is a big one. Said that Jesus had to carry his cross from Jerusalem outside of the city up a hill to, um, they call it the Hill of Calvary. It's also known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. Um, and there they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross. Then they hoisted it up, and he suffered there for a good bit. There was two thieves that were crucified next to him. Uh, he was mocked. He was shamed. They put a crown of throne, thorns on his head. They wrapped him in a purple blanket, which was the regal color. They called him the king of the Jews. Um, at a certain point, while he was up there, it said that Jesus was praying for the um, for the for God to forgive the people that were hurting him because they don't know any better. Um, and then at a certain point, Jesus said, it is done, it is complete, and he gave up his soul and it left, and he died. Shortly after, the Romans came, took a spear, poked him in the ribs to make sure he was really dead. Um, then they brought him down, took him. Uh, there was a, I want to say, oh man, Joseph of Arimathea, I want to say, was it was his tomb. And he gave him the tomb. They gave he gave Jesus' family the tomb. They can put him in there. Jesus was in there for a couple of days. They went to check on him after a few days, but he got up. He rose from the dead. Then he came back to his uh, to his apostles, to his followers, taught them some stuff, and then he was carried away to heaven. That is the basic Jesus story. The point of it is that according to Jewish uh, religion, to Jewish law. If you sin, which means you break the law, the wage for it is death. You have to pay with your life, right? That's where the only way to atone for it. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. And so what he did is because they say he was perfect and blameless, he had no sins of his own, so he was able to take on the sins of the whole world and then sacrificially suffer and die for them. That means that as soon as you accept him into your life as your savior, put faith in him, however you do it, then your sins are now covered by his sacrifice as well, and you can go to heaven, reunite with God. Where does Doubting Thomas fit in this equation? Doubting Thomas was the Apostle Thomas who, when Jesus got back, uh, he was alive, and Thomas said, I don't believe it, you're not Jesus. <laughs> You've seen the picture online? It's hilarious, because then he's like, Thomas is like sticking his finger in the in the in the in the hole. Yeah, in his body where the spear was. Um, in his hands and in his spear, he goes, "I don't believe you, Jesus." And he said, "Oh, you doubting Thomas?" Yeah, look, <laughs> he's digging in there where the yeah. spear hit him. So he, he where the spear pierced him, stuck it in his hand and his side. Wait a minute. Yep. So Thomas needed proof. So that's why the term "doubting Thomas" comes from the Apostle Thomas. Yep. So questions on that, comments on that. That's the general Jesus story. Well, okay. Got a pretty legendary story. Yeah. Where do the crusaders fit in? Jesus. Wow. That's a little later. So going from there real quick, after Jesus came back, he went up to heaven. His apostles went to work spreading his word. Uh, and I guess that's worth mentioning too. Jesus didn't just die, but he also was telling people kind of a different message. Instead of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, he was really big on, no, just be really good to everyone, love your neighbor, treat people well, treat people nice. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek, nonviolence, right? The sort of don't worry about physical possessions, don't worry about the material world. You know, a you're, lot, yeah, you're a spiritual being, right? Internal goods. Internal goods. And so this was very different from 
a lot of the other, you know, ideologies of the day. And so he said, take this message, boom, spread it to the rest of the world. And the apostles did just that. The most famous of the apostles was Paul, who actually was not one of the original 12. After Judas uh, betrayed Jesus, it said that he killed himself, uh, hung himself, um, because of the shame of what he did. And so they were only 11 apostles. Paul was a guy named Saul who was a pretty rough dude. He was a, I want to say a tax collector for Rome, but he was a, he was a Jew. And uh, on the road one day, shortly after uh, Jesus uh, was resurrected or maybe while he was dead, um, a light came to him which blinded Saul. And then he was instructed to go to a certain town and ask for somebody. He went there. His vision came back. And he had a vision of Jesus Christ. And uh, after that, he changed his name to Paul because he said, I'm a new creation. Saul is dead. I am now Paul. And he went on to become pretty instrumental in shaping uh, the New Testament. A lot of his letters to churches that were started, instructing them how to conduct themselves, became the foundation for the New Testament. Paul eventually brought Christianity to Rome where it found initially a lot of resistance. Um, uh, initially, he made heaven sound so good, people were killing themselves in mass. <laughs> he realized this was not good, so that became, like, the worst sin. Uh, and, yeah, uh, Christians were persecuted for a good bit under the Roman Empire until Constantine. Const- hey, wait, wait, the last pagan emperor, before you go down the Countess Constantine, I think um, his name was Julian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a cynic. Did you know that? He was um, a traditional um, Stoic slash cynic. So he's the last pagan emperor, and then Constantine comes. And Constantine was, uh, he was really the first Christian emperor. And while he didn't make it the state religion, he gave it legitimacy, and he no longer persecuted them. He made it legal. And uh, he he did a large part to spread it throughout the empire. I think the guy after him was actually the one who made it basically the state religion. And from there, they became not the Roman Empire, they became the Holy Roman Empire. The Heilige Römische Reich. That's, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's where you start getting into that. So once Rome got involved, and Rome started the Catholic Church where they, you know, there was the Pope, and they had the councils of Nicene, and then you had Nicenean Christianity. Um, and that led into a more universal uh, Catholic Church which held eventually would after the fall of what the Western Roman Empire, the church remained and it held considerable power throughout Europe at the time. And they made um they crowned Charlemagne as the new Roman Emperor, right? Yep. So but I think Charlemagne was in Constantinople. Was he? Uh, I thought he was crowned by the Catholic Church. And that's why um the Byzantines maybe I'm disliked I'm, the uh, Catholic Church. Because they believe that they're the Romans. Well, they're they're the Eastern Orthodox. I know that. So that's, they. in any event, there were two popes for a while. So it makes sense there were two Caesars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pope Leo III. Suddenly, as Charlemagne rose from prayer, Leo placed a crown on his head. And while the assembled Romans acclaimed him as Augustus, an emperor, the Pope abased him before Charlemagne, adoring him after the manner of emperors of old. Pope Leo III crowning Charlemagne emperor. So, yeah, okay. and I think that's what made, I think that from a historical perspective, I think that made the Byzantines pretty annoyed that they made somebody an emperor, even though they had. I know the, the, the Germanic tribes started to invade 
Like the barbarian tribes started to invade Rome proper, and that really led to a huge downfall in the Western Roman Empire. And then they started focusing... Well, a lot of them became Roman. They learned their tactics. So taking down Rome was easy. They just knew how to do it. They were all all high officials. I think Odoacer was a Roman general, just like um, Arminius. I know I'm getting into a rant about the Romans, but it took a Roman to take down the Roman Empire in Germany (laughs) because Arminius was... Let's be honest. He was a Roman. He was raised as a Roman. He was a chieftain. He was the yeah. son of a chief. But I mean, if we're gonna talk about Armenius, we gotta talk about Proteus. <laughs> Proteus. <laughs> we do not speak of Proteus on here. We're done with that. My bad. Buddy. We don't. We never speak his name. <laughs> but anyway, the, forbidden. The, the like Crusades, Voldemort. The Crusades came as a result of the power of. I mean, there were a number of factors, but a large part of it came because of the power of Rome. There were a number of political factors and social factors, including the fact that Europe was starting to get overpopulated. Um, And they used the church. The church basically justified it and then said, because this is a good war and it is by God, then everything you do, nothing you do on the Crusades will be... Held against you? Yeah, it won't count as a sin, and which encouraged them to act horrible. So all manner of atrocities were committed in the name of God during that time. wasn't a particularly proud moment of Christianity. <laughs> well, yeah, some people bring it up all the time. They do. They do, which is kind of silly, but sure. Even though at that time, many other religions were had their own. Yeah, I mean. They just, are, just as horrible. Yeah, they are, they are jihad. Mm. I mean, that's real specific. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> the first crusade shots, shots fired. from what yeah, well, right. from what my understanding is <laughs> from my understanding the first crusade was actually was a um against one of the first invasions to um Christian Spain. Well that's and that's really you get into the whole who started it first. Exactly. And, and it's debated, but regardless both people were fighting in general. Mm-hmm. There were everybody it was a warring states period. It, and it really was Christian the, or Islam Islamic. Well it was the Christian world versus the Islamic world and they were fighting for territory. It's and, and it's soul, political, not really religious at that point. But the yeah. the thing that stands out is the justification of horrible horrible atrocities committed with support of the church. That's where people latch on to it quite a bit. And History repeats itself. It repeats itself through religions as well. They all did a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, actually, I'll probably take back that. Um, I don't know. I don't think the Crusades really started because of the invasion of Spain. I think I'm thinking of something else. But I know that that's just a a thought I had. So as I understand the... the, the I mean, a a lot of people debate, if you look up on YouTube, who, why the Crusades started. The, the, the Some story people, that they give was to reclaim the Holy Land. Yeah, and who they attacked first. A lot of stuff. I mean, you get both sides. You get it from a Christian side. You get it from a Islamic side. You'll hear a lot of different things. Political, religious, <laughs> geographical. I, I actually just watched a video on like how how is how are the Crusades taught in the Islamic world, and it is in it's interesting because a lot of the distrust of the West and the kind of dislike of the West is still based on that kind of savagery that came into the Crusades. Like, that's still Mm. used as propaganda to explain, like, really strong anti-Western sentiment in some of those places. It's like, yeah, they came in, and, like, even when, like, they 
killed and raped, you know, women and children, and they tortured men and even surrendered places were just wiped out and just, again, horrible things. And they were, they still use this like, yeah, I mean, that's the West. I think it's still the West. I mean, <laughs> and so, in, and not in all places, but in some places that's used. And it's also used as a form of, like, warning, because one of the reasons the, the Crusades were able to make such headway is because of the fracturing of the or the Arabic Islamic world. And so a big argument is like, that's why we need to be united. That's why we need to be united against the common enemy, right? And that's what upsets them so much if some of them form alliances or, you know, westernize or anything like that. So that's in the modern context of the of the Crusades. Um, I mean, yeah, if you look it up, most people will agree that, yeah, the, the Crusades were a series of religious wars between Christians and Muslims started primarily to secure control of holy sites considered sacred by both groups. And there was eight major crusade expeditions between 1096 and, tw- and 1291, history.com. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like both sides were doing Sa- uh, bad, uh, savage stuff. I'm uh, apparently when the they lost the 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 sacred sites to Saladin. Apparently, he was very chivalrous, though. He has, uh, from what I heard, do you know Saladin? Mm-hmm. I heard he was yeah, uh, for at least at that time, somebody who was honorable. He yeah. didn't kill any Christian woman or child after. Yeah. So well, and there was there was lasting change to the region for quite a while because of the crusades like there was people that came and moved into the land that was taken even when it was but in general i feel as though it was also geopolitical because as a military standpoint i mean israel is very valuable even now i mean it's uh it's on it's in between the afro-eurasian continent it's between three continents so it's a very strategic place regardless i don't think it's even just religion or politics really it's just the area is very nice just like the bosphorus in turkey Mm-hmm. If you control the Bosphorus, you have, you control the most strategic area in Eurasia. You're yep. literally in the middle of yep. the world, essentially. So, yep. I really think it's geopolitics coming from a cynical, uh, detached kind of. I think you're right. So that's my idea. Yeah. So that's the if you want to get a non-religious uh, idea, that's why we're all here. Well, I mean, it, um, there's no argument there. I yeah. Think the the Crusades were. In in no way can you interpret the Bible to where it's like, yeah, go kill this people. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. <laughs> there is the well, Old Testament. The but, Old Testament. Well, yeah, yeah. If but you, I mean, if in, you look in the context of the New Testament, Richard Dawkins, Dawkins makes it think that he makes it. Uh, seem yeah, but that see, way. that's that's the point I want to talk about Christianity, though, especially when I talked about people that that don't practice it correctly, in my opinion. So you get a lot of people. Christianity. You become Richard Dawkins' bait. Well, well, all I'm saying is, like, when people are like, ah, oh, you know, the gays are super wrong because it says so in Leviticus, and also, um, you know, this is immoral, and they're super judgy and they're super shitty about stuff, right? The thing that they don't realize is that when Jesus was crucified, right, the whole point of Jesus coming was so that the law didn't hold life or death death over the people anymore, Right. So if you're still going off the law as it's written, you're either selectively choosing laws that you want and being a dick about it, or you're just not following the law yourself because you're not keeping the Sabbath. You're still eating pork. You're still divorcing. You know what I mean? So 
unless you're living like a to the letter Jew, you also are breaking the same laws that are right there with homosexuality, right? Now there is scripture that Jesus is like, no, nah, that's not good. Don't, well, I remember the scripture was, um, if a man layeth with another land, uh, man, he, he must be stoned. No, Jesus didn't call for stoning of anybody, but he did say it's a... That was the Bible. I don't know who said that, though. I know Leviticus is, says something about that. Jesus does say something that it's like... Well, someone told me, hate the sin, not the sinner. That, and that's a, that's a Christian view, but no, and Jesus said something along the lines of like, it's, it's an aberration for a man to lie with a man or something like that. But Jesus said, literally was against stoning. He, he saved uh, the prostitute from getting stoned. Um, he who is without sin cast the first stone, right? Meaning that everybody falls short. So that's why we need to just be kind of nice to each other. So my point with this is that Christianity as a religion is actually super tolerant, super loving, help each other, be friendly to each other, be kind to your neighbor, help your neighbor, help each other out, um, be generous, be giving, don't put too much stock in material things. Um, yet a lot of Christians seem to hold on to Jewish um, practice, right? Mm -hmm. Old Testament, we'll just call it Old Testament stuff. But really, as a Christian, the Old Testament is really there for history and to justify why Jesus was a big deal, like in terms of prophecy, right? But it, the actual part of your guide to living as a human being is to follow the example of Jesus. So a lot of, there's a lot of hatred, and there, there is a lot of dislike and hatred for Christianity. Like, it catches a lot of shit, I think, these days. Um, and there is reason for it because it's practitioners are doing it wrong. <laughs> I really think so. Um, it seems like it was meant to be balanced. That's, that was the intent to have a balanced life. Yeah. There's the, it's well, and that's, that's another thing is that there's a lot of people have drawn, uh, similarities and parallels with, uh, Buddhism and, and Christianity because Jesus lived, I mean, his his teachings are very much in line with uh, Buddhism. It reminds me, there's a quote, apparently. I don't know if, I always hear this quote um, thrown around, but I, I always hear that this is a biblical quote. It says, those who have swords and know how to use them, but keep them sheathed, shall inherit the world. Have you heard of that quote? No, that I haven't. Where, I know the, the, meek, the meek shall inherit the earth. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it has something to do with that. I always hear that quote um, thrown around, but it also reminds me of of the um, uh, the uh, I, I was gonna say the Crusaders, but I, I don't think that would make sense. Like, nope, <laughs> it wouldn't make sense actually. Maybe I have to look this quote up. Uh, Jordan Peterson talked about this. I it sounded kind of familiar, but the like how it ended, I haven't heard it. It may be a translate a different translation. I maybe it might be a, a mistranslation, but I heard about this quote. So carrying on, I'll just give a little more. So after Catholicism, there was a rebellion kind of against Catholicism, and that came with the the um, Protestants. The Protestants. So Martin Luther, he he posted some 
basically it was like 99 ideas about what Christianity should be, and he nailed it to the wooden door. And this pretty much kicked off the Protestant movement, which resulted in many, many more wars. Um, but the basic idea of Protestantism is like, because Catholicism is all about control and hierarchy. So you can't talk to God directly. You and, have to, and this is why they hated the Gnostics too, right? For that reason. Pretty much, because Catholics really want to control. It was a state religion. And so you had to go to the priest for forgiveness of sins. You had to go have the priest, you know, intercede on your behalf. Or if you did pray, you prayed to the saints because the saints were in heaven with God and they had God's ear. So you talked to the saints and they talked to God. You didn't, there's prayers to God, but generally they didn't carry the same weight. Like everyone didn't come to God with the same level. It was really like an investment plan, depending on how much stock you had with God was how much of his attention you got according to the Catholics. And Martin Luther was basically like, nah, that's fuck that. <laughs> Everybody should, should be able to talk to God. And that really started the break. And then from there, Protestantism started to split into different, into different aspects. But the huge turning point for um, Christianity was the, uh, the book press, Gutenberg, uh, because this started to lead to easy, and relatively inexpensive publications of the Bible so that everybody could have it. This improved literacy, um, and if people owned one book, it was the Bible. Um, and so, yeah, that, that led to a huge surge in Protestantism because they didn't need, they weren't dependent on the Catholics to read Scripture in Latin, <laughs> to give Latin Mass, right? Um, and this, the Protestants, as we know, uh, were the pilgrims. They were the first real people to come to America. Um, the United States was founded on a lot of... There's big debate over that on how much Protestant values influenced it, but I, I think it's safe to say that quite a few. Uh, kind of the hard work, you know, man is meant to toil under the sun sort of thing. Life is kind of shitty. And <laughs> it's cool because you're working for heaven. Um, and that kind of influenced early American life. Uh, and how people conducted themselves. This is why, despite all of America's, uh, you know, overindulgence of sex and, and sexualization, we're actually a pretty prudish, prudish country <laughs> compared to other things because we have a really strict sense of uh, Protestant um, uh, modesty, I would say, even to this day, even amongst non-religious people it's still kind of uh is part of our society um yeah what else what else we want to say about jesus christianity well, it's funny because i actually wanted to talk about stoicism in christianity but i feel we don't have much time we can oh, really, only really reference it as you guys want, yeah. well i mean we could just talk about it like maybe until 45 up to you yeah so what do you think are the similarities between uh, Stoicism and Christianity? A lot of people say it's kind of a gateway philosophy to Christianity. Or some people say it's very congenial to Christianity, meaning that there's a lot of kind of overlaps. What do you think about that that claim? I think it depends on how you approach Christianity. So do you think it might be people who are a bit more secular? Well, I think it might be similar to Stoicism. Because, I mean, we talked about Gnosticism and early Christianity was really... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually say I don't see it. Yeah? I'm going to say I don't see it. 
don't know. There's so, there was because Christianity, early Christianity, and even modern Christianity puts a lot of emphasis on community, and I feel like Stoicism puts a lot more in, emphasis on the individual. So I, I don't I don't necessarily see it. I mean, there is the emphasis on the non-material. I feel like maybe it could be something to do with the Catholic Church and having that old pagan remnant, or uh, not remnant, I want to say vestiges. I mean, they were super pagan. Yeah, they, <laughs> one, yeah, exactly. At one point, there were very, there's a lot of vestiges in the Roman Church. There still is, yeah. So definitely, maybe they might have, I don't know, it might have been motivated thinking on their part. Uh, who knows? But a lot of people say this, and maybe it is because they're the Catholics. But if you look it up, you can. Um, there's an image on Stoicism and Christianity. If you look up the images, uh, let me see. Pull up that graphic. This one. Yeah. I don't know what this is actually. What this has to do with anything? Uh, maybe this one's better. Philosophy, religion, metaphysics, ethics, Christians, ancient Stoicism. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Honestly, if I was to say anything, I would say, to me, Christianity has the most in common with Buddhism. Not in a cosmological sense, but in a, like, conduct and self, um, self-governance, self-improvement sort of thing. Well, I think they think it's similar to Stoicism and Christianity because I think in Stoicism, they, they advocated suicide to prevent from going against divine plan in the world that, that, what uh yeah uh, i don't know nothing to do with christianity i don't know or advocated the prevention of suicide oh, the i prevention guess prevention of suicide uh, yeah. okay <laughs> advocated yeah, suicide that. i was like that's not at all christian uh i i just i i don't see it because stoicism doesn't place a lot of stock in hope you know what I mean? And Christianity is completely based on hope. Well, I think they're thinking of the ethics side of Stoicism, not the cosmological part of Stoicism. Because Stoicism talks about virtue. And virtue is justice. Sure. Versus, and then uh, sure, I mean, classic- justice is important in Christianity because you have to be a good person. So but that's even, why. But even then, there's not... Christianity, this is one of the criticisms of Christianity, is that... Their sense of justice is is lacking because there's no, like, there there really kind of is no justice until maybe death. There's a bishop, by the way, who really pushes this. This is Bishop Robert Barron, Stoicism and Christianity. I mean, I, I would need to listen to some of those, mm-hmm. but I just, it, I don't see it. Like, because, I mean, that's the whole thing is that somebody could oppress you and treat you like shit your whole life and you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Like, it's a nonviolent approach. And then... Your hope would be that, you know, you die and you go to heaven and there's your reward. And if he's bad, he'll go to hell. But you can't hope he goes to hell because then that's bad intentions on your part. So you'd go to hell too. So you have to hope that he gets saved and also goes to to heaven. And he could, on a, in some branches of Christianity, he could on his deathbed, like, repent his ways and ask for forgiveness from Jesus. And he would have to be afforded that. And then he could live a horrible life but then still go to heaven based on the, the, you know, forgiveness at the time of death. So there, this is a huge criticism in Christianity, actually, is that there is no justice. And that even, like, concepts like hell, like somebody does, even if you had a lifetime, let's say you lived 100 years, 
And every single day of it, you were horrible. And you just, like, tortured fucking puppies and children and shit from the day you were born until the day you died. And then you die, and, of course, you go to hell. And you just go through more suffering than you could ever imagine for eternity. So even if even at your worst, a hundred years of horribleness, you're getting ten times that for eternity. Not a hundred years. <laughs> you're not getting you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it seems overblown for 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 sin. So this is actually the sense of justice in Christianity is 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 really kind of fucked up. Or non existent at best. Or yeah, just not consistent. Yep. And so this is a major criticism people have with, like, the overarching ethics of Christianity. Yeah, it's yeah, and and especially today, to get people on board, it's like, you gotta believe people are like, damning them to, <laughs> mm-hmm. torture for eternity. I'll, I'll give you something that um a Quora user, <laughs> like, a Quora user might have. And if someone's preaching and that's the thing, like, do you want to like burn in hell for eternity? It's kind of like, oh gosh, kind of guy would do that. <laughs> Tough way to approach someone and it's like, yeah, I don't. The, the be- know uh, before you before that. you read the core thing, the best solution I've ever heard, and I forget which philosopher came up with it, but I, I heard it in philosophy class, is the best way to reconcile the suffering of of hell, the burning of hell, is that if in your life you have conditioned yourself and a, like attuned yourself to God and le- led a good life, then when you die, you go and you bask in the light of God and you enjoy it and you're bathing in it, right? Mm-hmm. However, if you lead your life bad and evil, then when you die, you still bask in the light of God, but it burns you because your body isn't tempered for the magnificence of it. And so it's, the, so it's the same place. It's the same place no matter what. But based on how you lived during life, conditions you to either you find it pleasurable or you find it painful when you die. But you're in the same place. Interesting. So that's the only one I saw where it's kind of like, okay. Well, I I was just <clears throat> wondering like, if those people would be a part of purgatory. Well, purgatory is invented by the Catholic Church. Nice. There's no biblical purgatory. Well, remember the the Stoics and the Cynics. A lot of them were in purgatory. Some don't. Certain some Christian groups believe in purgatory. Maybe, but it is it was invented by the Catholics. Yeah, it was in uh, Dante Alighieri, the Divine was, Comedy. Well, it, it came and in, Socrates is in the yeah purgatory. Da, Dante, yeah, Dante did it to because as we said before, Dante was writing like freaking uh, fanfic. Fan like, fiction, like he was writing his little like masturbatory fantasy about you know all the people that pissed him off. He put him in hell. But the purgatory already existed in the church, and it was basically to reconcile. Like, the, what what about unbaptized kids? What like, about Socrates? What about the people that didn't like that lived before Jesus? And they're like, uh, and he was a good person. Uh, a lot of people. Yeah, so purgatory was invented to. To deal with the loose ends, Diogenes is in. They don't purgatory. deserve. They don't deserve hell, but they can't go to heaven because that would invalidate the whole Jesus thing, right? So, and uh, I think Brutus is in the. Brutus is in the lowest circle yeah, of hell. Okay, the tre- the treacherous go down there. So it's and Judas, Brutus, Brutus, and who else? Who who's else? Uh, who is the fame? Oh, um, the guy who um, Shimano. Shimano. <laughs> 
I want to say it was another one of the season. I think it was uh, one of the... Who was the famous traitor in the Revolutionary War? Dante was way before the Revolutionary uh, War. <laughs> You're talking about... Uh, the no, I'm just saying, but he would be there if, if we're thinking yeah. about it from that perspective. That was... Um, in Purgatory in general. Emery would be? I'm thinking... Of Emery? <laughs> <laughs> Emery? The traitor. Benedict Arnold, that's his name. Yeah, Benedict Arnold. So he would be in Purgatory too. Yeah, no, no, he wouldn't be. He'd be in the lowest circle. Yeah, yeah, he'd be in the lowest because he's a traitor. Purgatory is Purgatory is not bad. It's not good. It's just like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant to say the lowest ring of hell, actually. So that we're, talking, we're not talking about Purgatory. We're talking about the lowest ring of hell. Yeah, the ice. 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 Furthest, exactly. Furthest away from God's light. Yeah. Anyway, um, let me give you this little quote somebody um, posted not a quote but somebody was talking about the overlaps between stoicism and christianity mm. which i thought about too one thing that stoicism and cynicism they both uh, put an emphasis on is your life is not about you your convenience or pleasure and discipline allows you to reach out to a fellow sufferer because you're not always thinking about what's good for you what matters is the kind of life you're living and you intend on are you intent on living like an animal whose only concern is to feed, drink, and have sex? There's nothing more to an animal's life. And while Christianity teaches that we should all bear our cross and suffer if we believe in the in Christ, the world will tempt you to think that happiness can be found in possessions, power, and reputation. But real happiness can only be found in deep relationship with Jesus Christ. So I think that's why they put the parallels between the, some of those things. But I think other than that, I don't think there's much... I mean, you're you're talking about, or they're talking about, like, basically just the ethical system. Yeah. Because the motivations are completely different. That's true. The motivations, yeah, exactly. So I I, I think it's just to... I, um, I think it's a reach. To motiv- motivated <laughs> reasoning. Yeah, I, I really do, because, like, stoicism... Well, I mean, and there's a real difference. Stoicism is a philosophy. Christianity is a religion. You, you know what I mean? Like you can have, you could be both. I mean, you can be a stoic Christian. I've heard of that. Without, I mean, because you can be a lot of things. You can be a cynical Christian. You can be a, um, I mean, if you just take the philosophic part without anything else, you could be a Buddhist Christian. You could be a, uh, maybe not a Pythagorean Christian because they got into some religious. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, Pythagorean Christian. Pretty big on the reincarnation, but. <laughs> And what they, I'm saying hey, is, they killed Socrates for that reason. Unless your philosophy is specifically like, um, there, you would have there to is t- no God. Like, unless that's your philosophy, you can mold most philosophies with religion. That's true. Uh, I always see that put around though the Stoicism, maybe because a lot of the Stoic, the loose principles of Stoicism, may fit in it. But even, th- I just don't, like, they're talking about Stoicism like it's this communal thing. I really don't, s- I mean, I'm not but saying But we're talking about, maybe historically it makes more sense. I'm not saying that it can't be. Yeah. But I'm talking, like, the idea of a Stoic, in my mind, the image that it conjures up is somebody who's very self-reflective and they're, like, they're, they're, they're taking full control of their own emotional, you know. Well, thing. yeah, that's the weird thing because Stoicism doesn't really, like, play well with the divine because they the <coughs> stoicism is the main teaching also is that just despite the divine uh, things out of your control you should not care so much about well and you should only care about the things that are in your control and that's what i say like honestly i guess you could see it but like i see i see again B- 
Buddhism, I think, applies more to Stoicism, but it's also similar to Christianity, and I guess they might intersect there, but because Buddhism is, is really like, the Stoic thing is like, just assume, one of the exercises in Stoicism is just like, just assume everything's going to be horrible and nothing good is going to happen. It sounds very much like cynicism. And well, and then like, and then if yeah, it doesn't, you should be, you should be happy. Like, like Buddhism is more like less forcefully do this, but more like something good could happen. Something bad can happen. It doesn't matter. A good thing can become a bad thing. A bad thing can become a good thing. Don't hold on to anything. Just accept it as it comes. The, the Stoics are like, bad stuff will happen, so prepare for it by just constantly expecting it to happen. And then if good stuff happens, just, you know, enjoy it. But don't get attached because bad stuff will... Like, they almost... They don't obsess about... Like, they don't live depressed because they're constantly expected... Like, their bar is so low. <laughs> is part of their strategy. <laughs> keep your bar super fucking low. Well, stoicism. The thing about it, um, yeah, pigeon keep happiness lowered. Pigeonholing it is would be, <laughs> yeah. Pigeonholing Pretty it much. is very difficult because stoicism went through um some phases, just like cynicism. Sure. I mean, cynicism is two thousand years old. So I mean, to say every cynic is the same, like. Just uh, like we were, we not. had that, yeah. So, but I mean, we've got you know, we've got a lot, a pretty good idea that you know, a lot of the stoicism we see today is highly influenced by you know Marcus Aurelius and uh, what was the other guy, um, Seneca. So, I mean, th this is like the take of of modern the re kind of st recent Stoic revival, especially in uh, because of figure. I know uh, uh, what's his name. Uh, is it Tim Ferriss? He wrote the Four Hour Work Week, Four Hour Body. I know he's he he's really big into stoicism. A lot of CEOs have come out and said that they read uh, um, Seneca and Marcus Aurelius. Um, so it's be it's become a thing to do. Like stoicism is 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 in vogue right now, and uh, it's based specifically on that type of stoicism from Marcus Aurelius and Seneca. In large part, that yeah, that is true. I mean, I probably I'm probably going to agree with you because I think yeah, I think stoicism is a lot different. But I just always see that around. If you look up anything to do with um the compa compatibility between different philosophies and religion, you always I at least with Christianity, I always see that. So I think it ties. I thought, well, it was, in, I thought it was interesting to bring it up. No, no, it's it's a good it's a good topic to top talk about. I just I don't see it like. I think maybe <laughs> somebody could pigeon, like they could force it, but I mean, Christianity is entirely based on hope, and cynicism is, or it's not cynic, stoicism is, is like, nope, <laughs> don't, nope. don't do that, <laughs> don't hope, just hope, hope there's nope, it's gonna suck, maybe it'll suck less, but it's still gonna suck. Yeah, that that pain <laughs> is inevitable, it's not kind of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, they they the road and it's inescapable. I think yeah, it was Marcus Aurelius was but like, it's fine. Once yeah, exactly. But they, but they also stress that it's fine that if you're strong enough and you should train yourself, mm -hmm. which I think it's sort of hope one in a way. Well, and that, and that's the it's difference. It's not so outright hopeful though as Christianity. Well, and that's yeah. the difference is Christianity is like you could have the worst life in the world and just suffer, but if you hold on to that hope and that faith in Jesus, mm -hmm. when you die, everything's going to be fucking awesome. The hope is very different there. It's more like a hope, but only if you can achieve it through hard training, mental and physical, because that's how the cynics also mm -hmm. thought it as well. And, you, and you're taught to, in Christianity, you're taught to not rely on yourself, but to rely on... Yeah, God. that's the difference. Mm -hmm. like you will exceed... 
Which I think there's and some... And in cynicism, you have to rely on yourself. It's all about self-sufficiency. I think it's all positive. It just depends on the circumstances and the times. Well, and, how, and how you use it. Yeah. And how you use how it. How you use it, so, yeah. Like... Yeah, some are better for different situations. I think for most people who want to be Christian, I think it's because they want hope. Well, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, yeah, that's and, one of and the you reasons. can have both. Like you can be hopeful and at the same time very like ultra realist, c- cynical of yeah. what's what the reality of the world is. Well, and and well, I, yeah, I, because cynic cynicism is also an attitude. That's the thing about stoicism and cynicism. They're They've their attitudes, their religions, and sometimes their loose principles. Yeah, which depending if, on how you if you combine them yeah. in the right way. Yeah, you have to combine. We have to very. I think it works be real in a sort of Buddhist sense, where yeah. like it's like you just kind of you're you rolling can have the, with the punches. The a Buddhist bit. attitude, not holding on to it. it, it yeah. yeah, it's a weird way to kind of reach that same thing. And you can still be hopeful of heaven after. This is just can help you get through life today. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's some there's some good I, I've I've theorized for a long time that whether or not you believe in the reality of like deities or spiritual powers or whether or not you don't believe in them at all, um, you can still if so there, there's this it's like a placebo effect almost and you use it as a catalyst and this this ties into the mind over matter stuff like. You yourself, as a human being, can do some amazing fucking things. Your mind can push your body to change and grow in amazing ways. And you really can make miracles happen. Uh, And you can interpret that literally however you want. Like, human beings are capable of some amazing shit. Just that we have enough self-doubt where we... Even as individuals and as a collective. Well, especially as individuals, we doubt our own capabilities in the realm of the miraculous. However, if you introduce the idea of a God or a spirit or any sort of thing beyond yourself and you say, "This this will work on my behalf, and then through the act of prayer, which is an altered state, it is a trance in times, it can be deep levels of concentration or focus, you can use that belief in a higher power to funnel your own abilities, so to speak, to achieve miraculous things. So if you can't believe in yourself to create these amazing changes in your own life, then you can believe in a God, and through that God, your own belief can amplify it to make those changes. And this can be anything from losing a ton of weight, quitting smoking, to recovering from, you know, deadly illnesses i mean there's stories of placebo effects people recovering from cancer and uh and uh, uh i don't know covid or well something. it's kind of like a self-fulfilling <laughs> self-fulfilling prophecy I rem- it reminds me of uh desmond das i think that's his name right How, uh he was a um, trans kid no <laughs> he was a, <laughs> he was a I think that you're, you're talking about someone else. I think you're talking about Desmond is amazing. Oh, yeah, no, no, there's somebody called. Okay, now I can never un unremember this. Now I will always think about this. I was no, no. There's a World War II veteran. His name is Desmond Doss. I think he was a sergeant. Um, he saved like 80 men. He apparently he never shot a gun ever. Oh, in, they, in they World made the film about him. Um, yeah, at Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. And he was yeah. a very devout Christian. Mm, yeah, that was a part and of the reason he was why a he pacifist. Was, yeah. He was yeah. He, didn't he didn't want to kill anybody but he wanted to serve his country very badly and he went in to japan and yeah he saved yeah a lot of people i actually look him up real quick desmond i think his name is desmond das he's amazing <laughs> you're, you're done 
He's actually amazing. Yeah, he, <laughs> da- he he's, he's actually amazing. Desmond Doss. Didn't just like give himself that title. <laughs> yeah, he was a combat medic with an inf- infantry company in World War II. He was twice awarded the Bronze Star Medal for his actions in Guam's and the Philippines. Give him the Purple Heart, man. He was uh, born 1919. Did he get injured? Uh, no. I don't know. So well, maybe you got a scratch. Way, it's the only way to get a purple heart. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's the uh, high note, yeah. But the impressiveness of not getting injured through all of that. That's impressive too, though, yeah, to not get injured. Yeah, absolutely. In World War II. Wanted to save that many. Yeah, he, he saved 75 men. Yeah. It's a lot. So that's the ultimate you know, thing we're saying is that you may not believe in, it, believe in God like or me. you may. Or like but a Santa you can still, whatever the reason... You can still achieve amazing things if you believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> or anything else, whatever you want to believe in. In uh, the demagogue? Demag- well, the no, dem- you don't believe in the demagogue. You b- believe in Give the, me your best religious miracle. And Sophie. Who, can, who can beat that? Who can beat what? Who can beat that miracle? Which one? The Desmond is amazing. Do you mean Desmond Doss? He's amazing. <laughs> who is amazing? <laughs> that, that's true. I'm very confused about what Desmond's who's amazing. Cause I'm trying the, to give the title back. I, I, I've, to I've the seen true some crazy Desmond. shit, man. When I was in basic training, they like our soldier handbook. They had like all our stuff in it. Every couple of pages, they'd have like Medal of Honor winners stories and stuff. Mm. There's some fucking badass shit. In there, yeah. Oh, well, fuck yeah. Man. Um, you know uh, Audrey Murphy is that his more name? Than, Audie Murphy, more than yeah. Audie Murphy was. <laughs> Really? There was there's there, He was the most dedic- decorated soldier of all World War Two, right? Yep. But no, there there was a also an actor. Yeah, and an alcoholic. And an alcoholic, yeah. There was well that's PTSD. He, yeah, he had PTSD, Pretty I think. Bad, but yeah. I, there was there was a Japanese guy, um, he died, but he uh God, he was so fucking badass. Like I forget the details of it, but it was the kind of story where like their company was getting overrun and he fucking like carried all the guys back and he's getting shot up and then he starts shooting the guys back and they're waiting for like something to pick all the guys up and shit and he's fucking throwing grenades and like fuck what like he's he's like then he starts shooting like the mounted grenade launcher and shit at the bad guys and they swarm into position and he meanwhile he's loading all the fucking uh all the guys on the helicopter but there's no room so he like anyway the fucking like the last image of him was like as they flew away and the enemies closed in was him fucking fixing his bayonet <laughs> and going to town on the dudes like fucking badass stories in there, man. They're they're they are crazy. Really like movie moments. Oh dude, you <laughs> seriously Which like seem impossible. Is, yeah. These guys just fucking lay it all on the line. But uh For a second I thought you were gonna talk about that Japanese soldier who um who was uh I think he was he lost in a jungle in Vietnam. And he thought he was still waiting for the like a uh, Japanese Japanese soldier. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, he was waiting for the. Uh, I was like an American Japanese soldier. But no, yeah. no, it was a Japanese soldier. Yeah, and yeah. he just was there for like decades. Well, he, he was. Wait, he still thought that, that the war was going on. He was waiting <laughs> for the emperor to have somebody send him send a, a soldiers to retrieve him. He was there for like and fifty he had his, years or something. And he had they his, would just find him. <laughs> no, he was so yeah yeah he was, he was super deep. He, but he stayed. He clinged on hope, and he. She was sharpening his katana. He's like, the and, he ha- and he had he had his katana with him the whole time. He never oh, looked wow. up. Yeah, that's from what I, from what I remember. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And they told him he's like bullshit. There's no way we'd surrender. And yeah, like, exactly. And then he found out and said, "Wait a minute, did he end up killing himself? Probably. 
Sapoku? I swear that that's how it ended. I mean, there's a good chance they did. I'd have to look that up. As one does. Dio, what do you got on Jesus? That's kind of sad, man. Uh, just the Japanese oh, guy. The Japanese yeah. guy? Uh, on Jesus. Man. I mean, I was raised Christian. Still. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of positive in it. Just that clinging on to hope. Mm-hmm. Always something to believe in. So it's something that can kind of transcend religion. And that it's like kind of ideals you can follow. Yeah. Any message for uh, everybody at the end of this arc or for the holiday season? God will forgive you. This will be <laughs> this will be the Christmas week. So anything for our our friends uh, down in South America? Shop, shop local. Oh, so oh support oh, your local. The business. Peruvian. Don't buy from Amazon. Yeah. Even though I probably will. <laughs> no, I no, I won't. I won't. I haven't. I've been using but, eBay. And hard times for uh, small business. So true. That. Yeah, that's true. Them. Yeah, Gene. Uh, I've been doing eBay. What, what you got on Jesus? Well, if he forgives me, he seems like a cool guy. For all the bad stuff I've done. For your sarcasm, you're at least getting a back end. You Jesus. dropped. You <laughs> dropped your fries. He got you back. <laughs> he, he got me for that. I dropped my fries. What, what do you got for everybody on this Christmas week? Like the like the presents I gave him. I mean, well, sure. Did you get anybody a present that's listening to this? <laughs> this will this this we're filming this early, but this will be released the week of Christmas. So. I want to give um a um. I haven't felt the holiday spirit yet. Yeah, it doesn't uh, hit me. COVID. I gave him a quote. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you saw some houses qu- lit up. A quote on Twitter. Give him a. Oh, you'll put, post one. I post one. Look for that, guys. If it's not up by the time this podcast, we'll, we'll think of something. Something will be there. And give him a piece of your mind if it ruins your day. And f- <laughs> for me, no, I, I actually want. I wish I could give a present to our Peruvian and um, listener from Dallas because they've been. Le- <laughs> oh, they've been consistent. They've been very consistent. Wow! wow. If well, you look, Dallas and Peru, please, word. please, I at always, Wine Jar Cynics I, on social media. I always see them, no matter what. Every episode, at least one from Peru, one from Dallas. I, I was gonna say that, guys. Look, you're a day. These are day one this, fans. If, yeah, if, I think if this is if this is not relevant because like a ton of people have joined since then. Because again, this is filmed a couple of weeks early. But <laughs> if you haven't already, <laughs> follow us oh, no. at. Wine Jar Cynics on all social media. What is our preferred social medias? For communication, um, Instagram, Twitter, Parlor. Those are our if main. You, if you want to like contact us directly, and we will respond. And we, eventually, we we, we will. You we know, are uh, that's super my, busy with the millions of people that I, hit us we, up. We are extremely busy, but, but if you we'll do. get back to you super pronto. We have a staff. We're very to busy trying not to cry from the non-existent YouTube comments that will come <laughs> that that will braid us again. If you have enjoyed this series, it's been a pleasure for us to do it for you. We drank a lot of wine, and we got our religiosity on. Um, if you guys uh, like this, let us know. If you didn't like it, let us know. If we offended the absolute fuck out of you, please let us know. At some point, for all of them, we did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> In any but educate us. It's, it's called <laughs> cynic shamelessness. If we're Look way it off, up. Educate us. If you try to educate us and we disagree, bring it on. Debate time. The dog. <laughs> you got to debate Don't the dog. Don't be afraid. We're- Come get roasted. Which is pussy cat? The three dogs of cynicism. The three hounds. Cerberus right here. 
Uh, but other than that, we look forward to hearing from you guys on social media. We're going to post a lot more, and we look forward even more to the next time these microphones are in our face and we are able to talk to you for about an hour. Yeah, I know what I want to talk about next. Oh, what is that? You wanted to. Well, it's it's going to be. Is this the last one of the? Uh, this is the last of the. This is the last series. one of twenty twenty. Or is there going to be one? Uh, well, we want to do a new um a new year special. A New Year's special right before New Year's. We can talk about the top Does 10. Does have a calendar? What is the release? Hold on. Top, top 10 what the fuck moments of 2020. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hold on. What's the calendar? We might make, We should make that into a YouTube video, actually. So the first YouTube video should be that, actually. Um, we could very well do that. Oh, uh, so we actually, because we're releasing happen. on Tuesdays, right? Two, wait, we, uh, depends on the week if we've got the content we were doing t- twice a week. Well, you got, yeah, because, okay. Yeah, we're still trying to do Tuesday and Thursday when releasing uh, these episodes. I think we've got a full, one of these, two of these weeks aren't going to have a, f- well, you guys could probably pump some. Well, up. we're going to do it, yeah. Yeah, okay. We're going to have to. So the 22nd is the day before Christmas. We could do one on the 29th. That would be the last one, or on the 1st. That would be the last one of the year. So this I kind of want to do one on, on the 31st uh, at night, but then okay. New Year's Eve. But I, I actually might be with family, but we'll see. If we had followers, we could go live, and that'd be real fun. Yeah, but we don't have followers. That's your guys' fault. We have a, <laughs> we have the one proving one guy from or girl from Dallas. Is a girl from Dallas? My, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Are you a girl? <laughs> no reason. We just want demographics. <laughs> we're trying to I hope you're a girl. Now. I have a feeling it's mostly males. <laughs> I have a feeling it's mostly males. I mean, but if we do cool. an astrology episode, it's gonna be mostly females. Wow, stereotype much. Well, we were on. Oh, Such by the way, Gemini thing. Um, Omega. <laughs> we were on Omega. We uh, talked to a girl from. Was she from Dallas? The girl from Omega. She yeah, said she was. Da- from, oh the last shit! One? Dallas. We should do Omega Omega episodes. We, yeah, we were, but I'm um, trying to work <laughs> on the software. <laughs> the hard part with that, if you're doing the video, is consent. No, a bunch of dudes just <laughs> jacking. Hey, Omega's double entendre. <laughs> that's good. All right, we're rambling now. You cynic. Uh, we should ask him that. You shameless? This might be the last one for the year. If not, there'll be another one. And if it is, Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2021. Yes. If not, we'll see you at the end of 2020. Have a good holiday season and Merry Christmas. Parabella.